Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Well, of course, it's the new year, and usually this time of year, there's a sense of optimism in the air. People are optimistic about what the new year may bring, but sometimes there is something that infects us that can get in the way of us actually experiencing what we're hoping for, actually having a great year, and that something is called shame. Shame is defined in in dictionary.com as the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, and ridiculous done by yourself or another. I like how one minister defines shame. He defines it as a sense of failure in the eyes of another person. Shame can carry with it the intense pain of feeling unworthy, disconnected, and unloved by both God and people. The fact of the matter is, most of us struggle with shame. Whether it's because of some past actions or sins, the Bible would call them. Maybe it's because of regrets. Maybe, you know, a father's wishing I was there more when my kids were growing up or things along those lines. Maybe it's because of failure. Maybe it's a failure in the workplace. Whatever the reason is, most of us deal with some level of shame. And the Bible teaches that we have an enemy called Satan. He does not want us to have a great year. He does not want us to have the future that God wants us to have. And so he uses shame as a weapon to hold us back, to keep us from that future. He understands that as long as you feel unworthy, you won't won't be able to really receive from God. So we're beginning a series today called Clean to help you to be free from shame once and for all and to see yourself as God sees you. So I want to start in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And this is, of course, is talking about Jesus and it's talking about oh, what he did for us in particular. It reads in from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So the Bible says that Jesus loved us, and indeed, he must have. He already had eternal life, and he came down and became a man, so that, and he died the way he died, just so we could have eternal life. And he, in doing that, the way he did that was that he washed us. And if we had to be washed, we must have been dirty. Right? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, there's some some deep thoughts in that. There's some deep thoughts. I mean, sin has a price. The Bible says it in Romans chapter 6 that the wages, today we might say, the paycheck for sin is death. In other words, the consequence of sin is you should die. 
because of it. We understand in our world today that if you commit certain sins, maybe you, you commit certain crimes, excuse me, that there is a penalty that must be paid for that crime. If you kidnap somebody, you automatically get, let's just say, 15 years. Well, if you sin, the, the, the penalty for that is death. The only penalty that can be paid for that is death. And so Jesus came and paid that price for us, and the proof that he paid that price was that his blood was shed. So Jesus allowed his blood to be shed for us because he loved us that much. And because he understood that only his blood could wash away all of our sins. You know, I've got on stage here some dove for men. I ought to be paid by dove for this moment right now. Advertising dove for men. This, of course, is body and face wash. And, you know, the way they advertise it is, hey, you know, if you really want to be clean, you need some Dove for men, right? You use this and you're going to be clean. You're going to smell good. Don't, don't make a good ad man right here, you know? But I'm here to tell you that there is some blood for you. The only way you could ever be clean is if the blood of Jesus is what has been has shed for you. The only way you're going to smell good is if the blood was shed for you. And that's exactly what Jesus understood. What he understood was only by shedding his blood could we be free from sin. You know, many of us have heard, and I don't know how true this is, but if you get sprayed by a skunk, the only thing that can get rid of that smell is what is it, tomato juice? Right? And, 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 and in the same way, when you have sin in your heart, when you have sin in your life, the only thing that can deal with that, that can cause you to be clean, is God's blood, Jesus' blood. And so, you know, Ephesians chapter 5 says this in verse 26. It's talking to husbands. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Get this about Christ. He gave up his life for her, that would include us and those who are chosen, have chosen to follow Jesus, to make her holy and what? Clean. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. So notice that Jesus, once again, gave up his life. He shed his blood to wash away our sins and to make us clean. Notice the blood of Jesus was strong enough to get the job done. It was strong enough to wash away all of our past sin, our present sin, and our future sin. You see, Jesus is not sitting in heaven waiting for the next time you sin so that he can go and get on the cross again to pay for it. He took care of all of that then. He's already made you clean. Somebody turn to him and tell him, I'm clean. Turn to somebody else and tell him, I'm squeaky clean. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. I love this song uh, by Lauren Dago, and it's, it's How Can It Be? Anybody ever heard that song? And only two people ever heard that song? She's like, she just released an album that was number one, period. Not number one Christian, number one in the, in the country. Well, anyway, I'm not going to try to preach about Lauren Dago today. But it, it starts by saying, I am guilty, ashamed of what I've done what I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. Then it reads, you plead my cause. 
You right my wrongs. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I am free. How can it be? Isn't that good news? That was us, guilty, ashamed, dirty. But he gave his life to give us ours. He looks at us and says, not just that you're free, but you're clean. And we ought to say, how can it be? How can you love me so much that you will allow nails to be put in your hands, nails to be put in your feet, a crown of thorns on your head, that you'd hang for six hours, that you go to hell in my place just so I could be clean? He does. He's already done it. If you've chosen to follow him, you're already clean. Somebody turn to somebody again. Tell them, I'm clean. Turn to somebody else and tell them, I'm squeaky clean. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Notice this. It's talking about the day we live in now. God's saying, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. In other words, there's punishment that should have come as a result of our actions. But God says, I'm going to have mercy. I'm going to hold back that punishment. They're not going to be punished for that. Why? Because of what Jesus did. Get this. I love this part. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's God talking. Because of what Jesus did, when God looks at you, he doesn't see what you did last night or you telling off your neighbor last week or what you did last year. Or what you did 10 years ago, God says, I have chosen to forget every sin you've committed. So he doesn't just forgive you of your sins. And I don't know about you, I'm glad God has forgiven me of my sins. Come on, anybody admit that you've committed a sin here or there? You've done some things that you shouldn't have done. We all have it. You ain't raising your hand right now, you sinning right now. I'm glad he's forgiven us that I don't have to pay for everything I did wrong. But there's a part of me that's always felt like, you know, God's still got a ledger going on. And that one day I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, all right, sin number 754,000 was when you did this. Come on, am I the only one that's ever felt like that? Like, I'm sorry, God, can you please just forgive me when, you know. But no, God's saying, I'm wiping the ledger clean. I choose to not remember any of your sins. That means that God sees you as though you have never sinned. I don't know if you understand what I just said. Let me, let me try that again. God sees you as though you've never sinned. I'm not talking about how people see you. We're not worried about people right now. We'll talk about how to deal with people in this series. But right now, let's just talk about how God sees you. He sees you like you are Adam in the Garden of Eden before he messed up. He sees you like you walking around in the garden and and you're just blessed and you're just prosperous because you're right with God. Because of Jesus' blood being shed for you, God sees you sin-free. That's what he was trying to get to. I love what Ken O'Copeland says. He says, grace just simply reveals the will of God to treat us as though sin never existed. That's how God sees you. God 
sees you as though you have never sinned. There is no heavenly record of sin in your life. Now, some of y'all looking at me funny because you're like, I, 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 I can't believe that, but you need to. Because God said, and I just read one scripture to you, but there's a number of others, Hebrews 10, 17. You can go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah 43. You can go a number of places where it says that he remembers your sin no more. He chooses, he's chosen to wipe it from his memory. And if he's chosen to do that, shouldn't we? I mean, shouldn't we stop rehearsing all the times where we messed up? Shouldn't we get rid of our own list? Because usually, you know, the person that's hardest on our, uh, us is us. I know there are some people that, you know, they, 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 they need a little help in that area and they don't really care about what they do. But most people, you know, they look in the mirror, they're ha- probably harder on themselves than anyone else. We know things that other people don't know. There are skeletons in our closet we're hoping people don't find. But we're very aware of. And yet if God is saying, I don't remember any of that, Shouldn't I just go ahead and agree with God and say, well, if you don't remember it, I don't remember either. I remember growing up, there would, there would be times when my, I would do something wrong and my mom or my dad would say, you know, my mom would say, when you get home, your dad's going to tear you up. Or my dad would say it, which was even worse. And for me, you know, at the time, that was like, I might as well got a spanking when he said it because I was, the, the fear just rose up. Am I the only one that, had, you know what I'm talking about? You know, boy, when I get home, I'm going to tear your behind up. You shouldn't have did that. The whole day ended. <laughs> Everybody having fun. I'm just, I'm going to get my <laughs> And every once in a while, I would get home, you know, and I'd have this dread, you know. I'd be walking around like, you know, dad come in the room. i walk out the room. <laughs> dad downstairs, I go upstairs. Dad upstairs, I go downstairs. And I get to the end of the day, and it's time to go to bed. Nothing happened. I go to sleep, I wake up, nothing happened. Then it's like, oh, he forgot. And then I'm like, well, if he forgot, I forgot. <laughs> and I could go and just live my, because he ain't going to come find me two days later. Oh, yeah, boy, I forgot to give you a spanking then. I mean, maybe some of our parents did that, but mine didn't. You know, and that's how it is with God. God's saying, you know what? I choose to remember your sin no more. As far as I'm concerned, it's like it never happened. You know, uh, I saw an article, I guess, about a week or two ago, and it was talking about how there was some type of bank error, and it was possible that, I don't know if it was hundreds of millions of dollars, no, it was was over a billion dollars of college loan data may have been wiped out. Oh, look at that. Now now we shout, yes, Jesus. Please let that apply to me, Jesus. Happy New Year to me. You know, and, and people were posting about, oh, yeah, I hope I'm a part of that. But God wiped out so much more debt than that. He wiped out every, everything that you should be paying for. He's already taken care of it. You know, it's, it's sometimes uh, when, you, when you play video games, I like to play Madden. I haven't played as many video games as I used to because I got kids. And take up all my time, it seems like. But, you know, you play, you know, you play Madden with somebody. What I used to do, my wife and I, before we had kids, we used to play John Madden. A lot. If you don't know what that is, that's a, video, a football video game. But, you know, we would play it with people, and, and my wife had gotten good, so she'd be my ringer. 
Literally, we would go play some folk, and I'd say, you got to play her first. And if you can't, be, you can't beat her, you sure ain't got no business playing me. <laughs> and she would wreck the floor with them. She would destroy them. I'd be like, don't even bother trying to play me. <laughs> anyway, so I had nothing to do with the message. But, um, but, you know, every once in a while you play somebody, you start beating them bad, and then all of a sudden, somehow the game resets. You know, you're like, well, did you just turn that off? How did that happen? Oh, it was just a mistake, man. What they do? They reset the games. They get a fresh start. <laughs> so you were down 21 nothing, and now it's 0-0 again. And usually when that happens, you're like, man, come on. But that's what God's done for us. He's given us a reset. He's given us a do-over. He's saying, all right, it's 0-0 again. Now I hear somebody saying, yeah, but ever since I followed Jesus, I've still messed up sometimes. Well, I'm sure you have. All of us have. Well, look at what 1 John 1, 9 says. This applies to Christians today. If you're a Christian here, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, in fact, if you were to back up, it goes on to say that if you say you have no sin as a Christian, you lie. Because from time to time, we mess up. Jesus said it this way when he was washing the feet of his disciples. He said, you are all clean, everyone. You know, because Peter had what was happening when Jesus was washing feet and, and he got to Peter. And I mean, this is Jesus washing the feet of his people. Remember, they didn't have shoes. They didn't have socks like we do. You know, so they had some dirty feet. In fact, you know what? We had dirty feet today with shoes and socks. But, you know, so Jesus is washing their feet. He's serving them. But there's something symbolic in it, too. He's washing. But so Peter says, well, you can't wash my feet. You know, you're the Lord. I, I don't, you, you, you know, that, I'm not worthy of that. And Jesus says, you know, uh, if, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have no, no place with me. Peter says, wash my hands, wash my head, wash everything. And then Jesus said, you're already clean in every way, just your feet. And that's really representative of what it's like to be a Christian, that God's already made you clean. But as you go throughout your day, sometimes your feet get a little dirty. Sometimes you mess up here, sometimes you mess up there. And that's why a first John 1, 9 is needed. If we confess our sins, the Bible teaches us, uh, the King James says he is faithful and just. And we see that with New Living Translation. To forgive us our sins. So he, you can count on him. If you'll confess it, you'll acknowledge, hey, I messed up God. And that's a big step for some people, but you got to do it. That's a big step in relationships. If you just take a step outside of what we're talking about now and just talk about how do I make sure I have a good marriage, I have a good relationship with family, I have a good relationship with friends. Be the type of person that's willing to admit when you messed up. Because when you're willing to admit that you messed up, now people can trust you again. But if you never admit that I messed up, well, first of all, you're saying a lot about yourself. You're saying that you're extremely prideful, immature. But second of all, if you're never willing to admit you messed up, I don't know that you won't do that again. I can't trust you. It doesn't mean I, don't, I shouldn't forgive you because you should forgive everybody no matter what they say or what they do. But if I want to have a good relationship with people, I need to be willing sometimes to say, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. Okay, that was for somebody. So he's telling us here, you can count on God to forgive you of your sins, and he's just. He has the legal right to do so. God's a legal being. Why does he have the right to forgive me of a sin that I've committed after I follow Jesus? Because Jesus already paid for it. 
It was already on the menu. It was on layaway. It was there for any time you would need it afterwards. He's saying he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and get this, to cleanse us from all wickedness. Or as the Bible in basic translation says, to make us clean from all evil. Listen, if he's cleansed me, then I am clean. So if I mess up, then I can still go to God and say, God, I'm sorry I messed up here. I, I, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. And God does just that. Go ahead and, and washes off your feet and you're clean again in his eyes. God says, I remember your sin no more. Well, let's go a step farther in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. And notice something that Paul says to Christians then. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. In other words, you're clean now. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Did you see what he just said there? Of course, he's telling them that anybody that's practicing sin, not messed up and got it right, but just outright just going to live this way. Whether they say they follow Jesus or not, they're not going to find themselves in heaven. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But then he makes the point that, hey, that was you. You used to indulge in sexual sin, but now you're clean. You used to worship idols, but now you're clean. You used to commit adultery, but now you're clean. You used to be a male prostitute or practice homosexuality or be a thief or greedy or be a drunk, but now you're clean. You used to be abusive. You used to cheat people, but now you're clean. You see, everybody is an ex-something. Everybody is an ex-something. Some people are still in it right now, but even those that have followed Jesus, we all are ex-somethings. One reason why you have no business walking around looking down at people, because you may not have struggled where they struggle, but you got your own struggle. The good news is that you can be free of that. That's why he was able to say, if people argue, well, I'm, you know, I'm born this way or I can't help myself. Well, there's a lot of people in this world who have the experience that Paul talked about that they used to be that way. But because of Jesus, they're clean now. Because of Jesus, they're holy now. Because of Jesus, they are right before God right now. And that's how God sees us. God doesn't look at us and say, you used to be this and you used to do that. God looks at us and says, you're clean. You're holy. You're right before me. St. Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You're a brand new person. When you choose to follow him, God says you're brand new. God says, all that old stuff you did, that's gone. It's been wiped away. You're in a brand new life now. I was reading an article. I think it was either yesterday or the day before, and it was, uh, it was online. I think it was Fox News that did this article. And, and, and so it was about a woman who 
was a porn actress. And she left, the article literally, the title is, she left the porn industry for a relationship with God. So it tells her story about how she ended up in porn and, and you know, how, you know, what her name was in porn and, you know, this lifestyle that she was living. And she really didn't plan to go there. She just kind of kind of slid into it. You know, one thing led to another, and she actually said, I didn't want to admit that I made a mistake, so she just kept doing it. And eventually she ended up abusing drugs and alcohol, and she finally got, you know, started following Jesus. But even after following Jesus, you know, she ended up getting hooked up with the wrong person. So she just went deeper into this lifestyle. She said one day she was on a plane, she's reading her Bible, because she had started reading her Bible, you know, she started trying to do some things, and God spoke to her and said, this is not the life I have for you. And she made a decision to not do the shoot she was headed to, ended up truly following God, ended up getting married, and became a minister of the gospel. And there's an an article in, you know, a national news outlet talking about how she gave her life to God and how he turned her life around. And I'm here to tell you that when God sees her, he doesn't see a porn actress. He sees a minister of God. And that may not be your story, but whatever your story is, when God sees you, he doesn't see your dirt. He sees somebody that's been cleaned, that's been washed by the blood of Jesus. He sees you as a child of God who's able to do amazing things for him and live an amazing life for him. We got to start to see ourselves the same way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2, Paul said this. He said, receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Now you read that and you go, what's the big deal about Paul saying that? Because this is Paul. If you know anything about Paul's story, this guy was a terrorist, literally. You know, he he was a very zealous Jew who stood there and held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen because he was a Christian. Literally, what they did, Stephen got up and told him about Jesus, and they picked up rocks and stoned him and killed him on the spot. And Paul was there. He didn't try to stop it. He was literally like, hey, hold your jacket's in the way. Give me your jacket. He holding their clothes so they can kill him more efficiently. He's the guy that is leading authorities into the homes of Christians and and taking dads away from their kids, moms away from their kids, breaking up families, having Christians thrown into prison and possibly killed simply because they don't believe what he believes. He's the guy that was traveling to Damascus so he can do the same thing in Damascus. And God showed up in the middle of the road, a light. The Bible says a bright light from heaven, and Jesus spoke to him. And in that moment, he gave his life to God. But this is a guy who's now saying, I've wronged no man. Did we just find a lie in the Bible? What do you mean you've wronged no man? You've, You've wronged all kinds of men and women. How could he say this? Because he understood what we're talking about today. He learned to see himself like God sees him. As far as God was concerned, he had wronged no man. 
All that was under the blood. The person that did all those things died on the road to Damascus. He was no longer that guy. That guy was gone. Now he was a new guy, a minister of the gospel who was not wronging anybody but instead was helping people. He embraced how God saw him and began to see himself in the same way. And that's what we need to do today. It's time that you embrace how God sees you and stop seeing yourself the way that you've seen yourself or others have seen you as well. I'm sure there are some people that saw Paul and they thought, hey, that's that guy. He pretended to be a Christian. He had no right to preach to me. I know what he did. And that's how people are. Even that, that porn actress I mentioned, there'll always be some people when she gets up to preach that are, you look at her funny, so I can look on the internet and find her right now. Do you think God cares? Do you think she cares? You will always have haters. There will always be somebody that will like to bring up what you did to them or how you acted or what you used to be. But it doesn't matter what they think. All that matters is how God sees you and how you see yourself. Will you agree with them or will you agree with God? Today I want to challenge you to agree with God, to see yourself as clean, to see yourself as washed, to see yourself like God sees you, as somebody that has never sinned, instead of as somebody that's carrying the burden of what I have done in my past. In Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter mentioned something that God revealed to him, and in fact, verse 11 reads in this way, chapter 11 and verse 9, but the voice from heaven spoke again, do not call something unclean, if God has made it clean. If you read the King James, it says, what God has cleansed, don't call uncommon or call common. In other words, when God says you're clean, don't you turn around and say, I'm not. God's looking at you and saying, you're clean. Don't turn around and say, no, I'm dirty, God. You don't know what I did. If there's anybody that knows what you did, it's God. That's why Jesus did what he did. So if God is saying you're clean, you need to do the same thing. Somebody turn to, turn to somebody and tell them, I'm clean. Turn to somebody else and tell them, I'm squeaky clean. You got to understand, there is nothing too dirty that God can't make worthy. Nothing. Nothing. His blood flowed red so that you could be white before God. And now you need to see yourself like that. You need to see yourself going in 2019, not holding on to or thinking about all the things I did wrong in 18 or 17 or 15 or 10 or whatever year. Nope, I'm coming in this year clean. And you need to do what Hebrews chapter 4 says when it comes to God. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we'll receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. You need to not kind of, you know, halfway, you know, inch into God's presence and say, God, you know, I know I'm not exactly the best guy in the world, but can you help a brother out? You need to walk into the throne room of the creator of the universe boldly. Like my kids walk in my bathroom. They trip me out. Be the middle of the night, somebody just walk in my room, walk in the bathroom, like, do you see me sleep over here? Anyway. They just know this is daddy's place and I have a right to be here. 
And that's how you ought to be when you go to God in prayer. That's how you ought to be when God wants you to pray for somebody else. That's how you ought to be when you, 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 you talk about blessings. That's how you ought to be all in 2019. You got to do what the Bible says in Isaiah 43 where he says, forget about what's happened. Don't go, keep going over old history. Be alert and be present because I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers and the badlands. You ought to be in 2019 expecting God to do something new in your life. You ought to be expecting God to do miracles in your life. You ought to expect there to be acceleration in your life and multiplication and demonstration. The wind of God to be at your back causing you to live the future God has for you. This will be the greatest year of your life. You ought to expect that because of what Jesus did, because he's made me clean. Because of him, I have the right to believe and expect God to do great things through me and for me. You are clean before God. Now it's time for us to act like it, to act like it. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience Podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.